Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC-FM and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning, and we are talking about the Fidelco Guide Dog Foundation this morning, joined by the officials and a client from Fidelco, Corianne Gagliardi. She is Community Relations Officer. Doug Fuchs, he is Vice President of Guide Dog Services. And Bill DeMeo, he is a client who uses Fidelco Guide Dog Foundation. Good morning to all of you. Good morning. Good morning, Good morning. Aaron. Corianne, why don't you tell us a little about the history and mission of Fidelco? Absolutely. Uh, So Fidelco breeds, trains, um, and releases dogs to clients who are blind. And these are seeing-eye dogs. And uh, we have been doing this for just under 60 years. 60 years will be 2020. So big year for us um, for our 60th anniversary. And this started way back um, by the Command family who also has done some incredible things with helicopters and aviation guitars. So he was an incredible man, and um, his wife, Roby, also was heavily, heavily involved. So they created the Fidelco Foundation, which we are now all products of here today, and we are very excited to be with you. Doug, how much training goes into getting a guide dog out into service? It takes an incredible amount of training, passion, and heart to make that happen. It's a great question. It takes about two years uh, to do that, so Fidelco breeds, raises, and trains all of our own dogs. They're not brought in from the outside to do this mission. From zero to eight weeks, they actually live with us in the pup house. And believe it or not, at four weeks, our puppy raising department starts to socialize them, looking at things like underfootings, making sure that they're environmentally sound, playing different sounds for them, taking them out for car rides to get them ready for the world. At eight weeks to about 14 or 15 months, They actually go out into the world and live with one of our volunteer puppy raising families, and we can talk more about that later. But without those volunteers, uh, we could never make that happen. Then they go to class once a week, once every other week, as they get older, once every third week, and they learn uh, basic obedience. Uh, About four months old, they get a red jacket. They get to go out uh, into the world to to practice being in stores, to practice being in people's offices and businesses, Um, going to restaurants so that when they're out and about, uh, no experience, hopefully, is a new experience for them. And then at about 14, 15 months, they come back in. And for formal guide dog training, I kind of like to think of it, they came from elementary school and middle school, and now they're going to college. And uh, one of our certified trainers will train them for about six to eight months before uh, they are have passed their last blindfold test and wind up getting placed with someone anywhere in the United States or in Canada. Bill, what does it mean to have a dog that is so well-trained being your eyes? Well, I mean, it's almost hard to explain, except that the dog gives you a newfound freedom and independence. And it's really everything in the world. If uh, 
you get a guide dog. It's so liberating and it gives you the opportunity to feel comfortable, to feel independent and be able to travel freely without human being helps. Um, you know, we can travel all over the country. We, we fly, uh, Lyric and I, and we have uh, enjoyable times together. So it's, it's comforting, it's security, um, it's sociability. It just makes a blind person's life 100% better. I should say you are here with your guide dog, Lyric, and I understand you and she are still getting to know one another. Yeah, I went through an interesting experience. I didn't know – this is all new to me kind of. I had Isaac, um, who was my greatest pal in the whole world, guide dog, for eight years. And unfortunately, you know, they get old like all of us, right, and his hips are, and legs are starting to hurt him. So he wasn't able to uh, work anymore. So we retired him. I've been fortunate enough to have my wife, Sue, take him on as a pet, and we have him at our house. So we still have Isaac, and that's really, really encouraging and fun still. And um, we're I've just ac- accepted Lyric for the last three months, and she knows a whole bunch of stuff. She's very, very smart, and I'm just learning what she knows. So we're getting to know each other back and forth. Doug, are there certain breeds that make better guide dogs than others? Uh, Fidelco exclusively uses German Shepherds um, to be guide dogs. You will see other schools use Labs or Goldens, and there's a few other breeds that are utilized. We chose to use Shepherds because that's what we started 60 years ago using. They make very solid work dogs no matter what their career is, and we quite honestly have gotten really good at training them as well. What sort of attributes make a good guide dog? Work ethic. Um, It's intelligence. um, And as any one of our clients will tell you that um, our shepherds are beyond what you would expect from any dog when it comes to intelligence. It's temperament. It's their ability to go out into the world and not be reactive or responsive to most things. Um, It's behavior. uh, And it's work ethic. Wanting to get up every morning and go to work uh, with our client or go do whatever it is that our client does. And when they come home, um, to go back to being a a pet. Corianne, what is the number one question you get about Fidelco and maybe some misconceptions? I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that we have what I will hate to refer to as a Fidelco fail, which we don't call it that. Um, We do a career change. So if every single dog obviously cannot make it through the guide dog program and we... It's just as people, every person's not in one career. So we do things called career change where they go to law enforcement, bomb detection, search and rescue. We always try to find them a working career first. Um, as Doug mentioned, these dogs love to work. So they really look forward to doing that. And I think it's really important to know that they're some, if we produced a dog through our program and it didn't end up being a guide dog, they're really doing other incredible, amazing things. Bill, can you talk a little about guide dog etiquette? If someone sees you in, in Lyric at the store or something, what should they do or not do? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, we're hoping everybody listening to your show uh, realizes that when a dog, a guide dog is in harness, they're working. And it's important to pretty much ignore them. You know, you're not supposed to look at their eyes. You're not supposed to call them by name. Uh, you're not supposed to pet them or touch them. And the reason being is the guide dog becomes almost like a tool. You know, it's like a cane or um, if someone's using hearing aids or a wheelchair or something like that. It's a tool for a blind person to use to be free. And if you call out their names, um, what happens for me is if I'm going on downstairs, I call the dog's name and I give it a command to go down the stairs, halt, stay, whatever, find left, find right. And if someone calls from a distance their name, they might be taken off a of focus. And when they're taken off a of focus, then my 
my safety's in jeopardy, right? So that's really how people should think about this. It's not anything bad or anything, but you just want to keep the blind person safe. And that's, that's so important. Um, don't touch the dog. Don't pet the dog. Um, it's very, very critical that people just leave the dog working and let them do their job. And if I could just weigh in on one more point of that. So most service dogs that you see out there are trained to respond to a command. Guide dogs are also trained to not do something if it's not safe. So when Bill talks about focus, focus is so important, right? So telling a dog to go forward, that's great. Telling a dog to find something, that's great. But when Bill or any one of our clients tells one of our dogs or any any guide dog out there for that matter to do something, if it's not safe to do so, the dog's not going to do it. And then Bill or the client will have to figure out why that is. Right. You don't want to take that focus away from the dog because that is what they're out there doing when their harness is on. And, and that's what they call that, Aaron, is intelligent disobedience, right? So every day we train together. I'm on Cedar Street, Route 175 in Newington at 530 in the morning walking, and there's four lanes of traffic. And I'll test Lyric every day, and, and I can hear a truck coming full speed down the road, and I'll say forward. And she will just dig her legs in and not bring me across. Even though forward was the command, she knows that, that I'm not that smart and I can't see. So, <laughs> so she won't take me across and, and get me hit by a, a big truck coming at 60 miles an hour, 50 miles an hour. So that's a very, very important point, Doug. Uh, intelligent disobedience is so critical. So when the harness is on, the dog's working. Even though you may think it's just laying there or whatever, it's constantly thinking and working. Um, they're herding dogs, right, by, by trait, by DNA. So these dogs are herding dogs. They work all the time, and they're figuring out how can it make it safe. Today I was walking, and there was a low-hanging branch, and I would have hit my face right into it. And Lyric stops, and I said, Lyric, so now I have to wave in the, my hand in the air, wave it at my waist height, and then I put my foot out to see what the trouble is. Well, I put my hand out, and I felt this branch, and I said, oh, Lyric, good girl, good girl. I, and then I have to give a command, find the way. So what she does then is she thinks, and she says, which is the safest way? To the right-hand side off the sidewalk is a road, Maple Hill Avenue. On the left is a, a, a um, front yard of a house. She chooses the front yard of the house always first because it's a safer route. She takes me on their grass slowly, and the command is steady, and then we come around the branch, and then she gets me right back onto the sidewalk. So it's actually, it's incredible what these dogs can do and how smart they are. And then I, I say, good job, Lyric, good job. And then I say, find straight, find the way, find forward. And, um, and we're off. Excuse me, we're off and running, and it's it's a beautiful thing. You mentioned when she's on the harness, she's working. How important is it to give her time off the harness to kind of cut loose? Well, I think it's like every everybody else, like people, right? We work a long day and nights, but you need some downtime too. And that's where, you know, a Frisbee or a ball in the backyard and, and, and Isaac, her pal, you know, it's fun to to give them some time off too because, you know, too much stress like that is is not healthy for anybody. And it's, it's actually good for us, too, because we bond together, because we play together, we work together, right? You work hard, play hard has always been my mantra, and Lyric has taken on that mantra. Doug, when you're training the dogs, after they're able to go out into the world on their own, you have puppy-raising families you, you place them with. How do you choose your puppy-raising families? So that, that's a great question. So uh, we're always looking for, for, for good puppy-raising families, and the most important attribute of a puppy-raising family is a whole lot of heart. Most people will tell me, there's no way I could ever raise a puppy because there's no way I could give it back. I'm gonna be so tearful when at 14, 15 months, 
um, I have to return the dog for the formal training. And you are exactly the kind of person who we want raising one of our puppies because we are saying you are sending your dog back to us with a whole lot of heart. So we're looking for people who have that kind of passion, who have the time that that they can devote. So on every Saturday, every other Saturday, every third Saturday, they can bring that dog in for training. The kind of people who are who are um, interested enough in this type of volunteering where the skill set that our puppy raising trainers give to them, they will take with them and they will practice that. So when they go back out in the world with the formal training, with our formal trainers or with our clients, those basic obedience skills are something that they've been doing since they were 8, 9, 10, 12 weeks old. You are listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking about the Fidelco Guide Dog Foundation based in Bloomfield, he is Doug Fuchs, Vice President of Guide Dog Services, also joined by Corey Ann Gagliardi, Community Relations Officer, and Bill DeMeo. He is a client of Fidelco. Also in the studio, we have Lyric, Bill's Guide Dog, and Ocean, who is uh, not quite as far along as Lyric, correct? <laughs> no, actually, uh, Ocean's a fully trained guide dog, but she's okay. one of our ambassador dogs. Yes, so she lives with me, she comes home with me, and but she has all the skills of a guide dog. How important is it to have ambassador dogs? Very important. Um, Doug actually has one as well uh, named Igor, who is not here with us today. But this gives us the opportunity when I go out and meet with different groups of people, civic groups, um, they really get to see what a guide dog in, like in training and a finished product can do. So we have puppies all the time. They get to go and they're wonderful. But like Doug was saying, basic obedience is really taught um, until they're about 15 months old. So after that, they kind of grow into their adulthood, I would say, um, where they get to really be polished and finished off in a harness. So it's very cool to see what these dogs are capable of all the time. Right. I mean, taking them anywhere, it's impressive. I mean, one, just one quick note about the ambassador dog. So we would never pull a, a dog that is going to be a guide dog out to use it. So both Ocean and Igor were released in the program for minor medical reasons after they had finished, let's say, guide dog college, if mm -hmm. you will. Um, so that's how they're able to do what, what, what they're doing. Like I said earlier, working career, right? So we Correct. always try to find a working career first. <laughs> what is the, the law when it comes to guide dogs and where they can go? Guide dogs are supposed to, under the ADA, which uh, signed into law by President Bush July 26, 1990, 29 years later, um, allows guide dogs to go anywhere people can go, pretty much. So restaurants, hospitals. Um, any place of business, government centers, uh, any public transportation, airplanes, et cetera. So pretty much they have free reign as long as two conditions. Uh, one, they're well-groomed, and two, they're well-behaved. And just to add on to that, most states have their own statutes with, which further protect legitimate service animals, such as guide dogs, that are in training. So when one of our puppy raisers has one of our puppies that is in the program or our trainers have one of the dogs that's in for formal training – those dogs, too, are protected by Connecticut statutes, specifically that says that they can be anywhere that uh, a human can be in a public place of accommodation. The interesting thing in Connecticut, and we've started to see other states follow this as well, is that interfering with guide dog training is actually a crime. It is not a civil offense anymore. So it is a criminal misdemeanor to interfere with someone who is tra training or working a service animal. Talk to me about the difference between guide dogs and emotional support animals and maybe some confusion there. I think when you look at the ADA and, and Bill, who does a lot of work with the ADA, can probably talk about this as well, but you've got different levels of, of support dogs or service animals. Um, guide dogs are certainly um, really at, at the top tier. 
um, along with other dogs that are medically related, right? There are certain dogs that can detect seizures coming on. There are certain dogs that have been trained um, to, to do, um, to understand diabetes and um, insulin shock. So those dogs that are medically necessary certainly fall under that category. We often see dogs that may have a vest that someone may have purchased from Amazon on them with very little training, with a whole lot of reactivity. And um, they have these vests on, which theoretically would get them into almost anywhere. And when we see that kind of reactivity, what that does is that puts our clients in danger. Because normally speaking, Bill has a pretty good idea when he's going into an environment where mo mostly there's not going to be a dog. I'm right. um, a pretty good idea where he's going in an environment where he has to be a little more guarded that there may be dogs out there. Um, so when you bring a, a, a service dog that is not a service dog into one of those environments that truly doesn't have the temperament, doesn't have the training and, and the skill set to, to manage those environments, it really puts um, our clients and legitimate service animals um, in every walk of life in danger. It's really a disservice to everyone. Uh, it is. And totally. I, yeah. yeah. I, I, I'll jump in here. <clears throat> I'm a little uh, known fact. Next Friday, we're meeting with state legislators, and I've been lucky enough to have been named on a subcommittee of the House of Representatives, and we're going to be re looking and examining the state health, the state uh, uh, service animal law, and maybe making some deletions that are old and, and adding some new things to it. So I think it's um, Representative Robert Combrey out of Meriden and Berlin area has gotten this group together, so we're going to be excited about that, and we're going to meet for four months and then recommend to the the entire legislation uh, consideration for new laws for, to update. Because some of them say the old law says you have to have an orange leash and an orange vest and an orange collar. All that is not true anymore under the ADA. ADA supersedes all state laws, right? So federal law always supersedes um, state. Let me just maybe give you, you know, I think you were going down the emotional support animal thing versus service dog, right? The two things people can ask, I go to a business, they can ask two questions. One is, is that a service animal? I say, yes. What task does it perform? It helps me with my mobility. Okay. Okay. Come on into my store. Um, so service animals provide a task to mitigate a disability that a person has. So if you have, um, uh, seizures. You have dogs that can uh, warn you about seizures before they happen. If it's hearing impairment, they can tell you that the doorbell's ringing or there's an emergency a truck backing up in front of you that you can't hear. And guide dogs certainly can help you with that you can't see. The emotional support animals are different. You know, that's a different breed. That's more of a comfort type thing. Those do not fall under the ADA. They're not specific and not covered under the ADA. And then there's therapeutic dogs, and therapeutic dogs are dogs that visit hospitals and are in nursing homes and senior centers, but they do not help an individual. They help someone else. So that's the best way to kind of get it in your mind, the difference between the three. And then to confuse it even more, there's the ADA. Then there's the Aircraft Carrier Act, which are the planes have their own laws. They accept emotional service animals if they wish to. And then there's also the Fair Housing Act, where if you live in a housing complex of more than four apartments or four places, you might be able to bring an emotional support animal. Again, not a service animal. Service animals, like guide dogs, perform a task to mitigate a disability. Certainly, Fidelco couldn't accomplish what it does without the, the help of volunteers. In what ways can people volunteer their time? Uh, that's a great question. We're looking for volunteers always to, to raise puppies, but we also need volunteers to help us with events. 
We need volunteers to uh, help us in our kennels from time to time. We look for volunteers who can help socialize real puppies from four weeks to eight weeks old. Um, and uh, it's very easy to, to find out how to volunteer for us. If you go to fidelco.org backslash volunteer, uh, there's a whole host of ways you can do it. And it's very easy to sign up right online. It goes right to our volunteer department and we will be in pretty quick contact with you. I should also mention though, we could never do it without our donors as well because Fidelco is, is a non-for-profit. Um, our clients receive our dogs, which we value at at least $45,000 for absolutely no fee whatsoever. So without the real compassionate donations uh, of folks from across um, this region and the country, we would never be able to bring those dogs to our clients in the manner in which we do. With that in mind, you have a motorcycle ride and car show coming up. Talk about that. We do. Uh, coming up very soon, October 6th, we have a Ride for Independence where we really support veteran, um, veteran clients and first responders. Um, and the ride will take place in Bloomfield, uh, as well as old school Harley Davidson. So we'll be starting there and we're adding a car show this year with some really fun yard games and food trucks. So it's a really fun filled family day to come on out and support Fidelco, um, and learn more. You'll see our campus will be open and all different people to interact with dog demos, puppies, you name it. We have it. Talking about your clients, do they run the gamut in terms of their backgrounds or did they get referrals? How do you connect with them? There's a whole process and Doug could probably talk about that a little bit more, but I know we have an entire selection committee that takes into account um, health of the um, person, um, the background of the person, what lifestyle the person has. So they're, they go through a very large process with an application as well to be into our program. Correct. And they apply from across the country, across Canada as well. Um, and once they apply, we have an application process they, they complete. There are certain qualifications that they have to be able to handle a German Shepherd dog, for one. Uh, we will then send a trainer to where they are and interview them and uh, give them some test walks and see what their uh, mobility abilities are. Um, and provided they, they pass that, they will go through our selection committee. And if selected um, to be able to receive one of our, our dogs, we then will send one of our trainers slash placement specialists anywhere in the country or Canada, to bring our dog to you, which is not what most of the other guide dog schools do. You go to guide dog college, if you will, and learn for two or three weeks how to actually handle your dog. We bring our dog to you so that we are teaching you and training you how to use the dog in your environment where you live, where you work, where you go to school. We can help you navigate some, some things that might be outside of the norm um, and get you comfortable. I also like to, to think that... Um, if you came to Guide Dog College, let's say, and you had to fly there um, and spent a few weeks with us, and then we send you back home, you've never flown with a dog, that can be challenging enough. Now imagine you're blind, and we've just sent you back on an airplane, and maybe you've never been on an airplane before, certainly never having flown with a dog. So it just seems to us this in-community placement is, is a model which we love and which our clients love as well. Talk a little about that piece in between the family returning the dog to you and then you giving the dog to the client. So our, our trainers have a very regimented program and we have a very regimented training program as well. So our trainers just aren't hired as trainers. We have an apprentice program. It takes three years for someone to go through. Um, so our, our, our trainers are certified and professional at what they do. And they've got uh, uh, really a manual, if you will, that they follow to get that dog from in for training all the way through to placement. Um, we work those dogs on country travel, we work those dogs in small towns all the way up to larger cities. 
uh, to Boston and New York City. We practice riding public transportation, subways, vehicles. So again, no experience is a new experience. It also gives us an opportunity to see how the dog is going to respond. And as Corianne mentioned, not every dog was cut out to be a guide dog. So along the way, we will learn and discern which dogs should make good guide dogs and which dogs are going to have other careers, be it a service animal or a pet. He is Doug Fuchs, Vice President of Guide Dog Services at Fidelco, based in Bloomfield, joined by Corianne Gagliardi, Community Relations Officer, Bill DeMeo, client of Fidelco, and also Lyric and Ocean the Dogs. That's Thanks right. so much for joining us this morning. Thank, Thank you. you very much Thank for having you, us. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 